I'm Archbishop Alan Vigneron of the Archdiocese of Detroit, and this is the Eyes on Jesus podcast. Hello and welcome to the Eyes on Jesus podcast with Archbishop Alan Vigneron. I'm your host, Mike Chamberlain. And I'm your host, Mary Wilkerson. We are excited to release new episodes once a month, so please make sure to subscribe and review wherever it is that you listen to podcasts. Archbishop, welcome and thanks so much for joining us. It's great to speak with you again. Great to be with you both. Thanks. Thanks so much. Archbishop, how has your, your last month been? You know, kind of the end of summer, uh, moving into fall. How have things been for you? Well, lots of blessings, Mike. I uh, hope it has been blessings for you too, Mary. Mm-hmm. Uh, of course, uh, one of the great things is going back to school. I think uh, we have good news about uh, good enrollment in our schools. Yeah. Uh, it's always a little sad to see the end of summer. Mm-hmm. I'm uh, not so old that I still can't feel a little bit of uh, sadness when uh, summer passes away. Mm-hmm. Had a couple of uh, significant blessings in the Archdiocese. Uh, in the middle of September, I was able to perform the rite to consecrate two women to a life of virginity in the world. And that was uh, That's a blessing. And uh, most recently, I uh, ordained three men as permanent deacons. So, so those are great blessings for our diocese. In terms of uh, the... Uh the change of weather. I am so excited about fall. It is my favorite season. I was wondering, how do you feel about the seasons? Like, are you excited about fall? Do you do anything special as the leaves start to turn and things get so pretty in Michigan? Um, I like the first half of fall a lot better than the second. I will agree <laughs> oh, with you Oh, you sound like Mike Chamberlain. <laughs> yeah. And awesome. I do, uh, I enjoy the colors. The leaves are beautiful. Yeah. I find the sky gets just so gorgeous, and I love looking at the trees. It's, I don't know, the crispness in the air I like, but you're right. It's like a sweet spot before it turns, and then all of a sudden it's gray and snowy, sleeting rain type of situation. But we get that one little glimpse of just a really cool time. And uh, the squirrels in my backyard are using this time to... pick up the the chestnuts yes ours too (laughs) they're They're loud they're loud sometimes this time of year too you hear them in the morning you know they're kind of fighting with each other and stuff it's funny Archbishop, earlier you shared that you uh, obviously did the consecration mass for two women uh, for perpetual virginity um would you share a little bit like a quick overview what does that what does that mean or what was that like to i know you've done those in the past before as well um but what does that consecration really entail and, and kind of look like well, it's a very ancient rite, uh, and uh, until, uh, I mean, in, in more modern times, it was really a rite performed only for women who were uh, consecrated to live as virgins within religious orders. But after the council, in compliance with what the fathers asked for at the council, the rite's been extended uh, to uh, women who want to live in the world uh, in perpetual virginity. And uh, what what it means is that uh, some women are called to this very particular way of following Christ uh, to make him, in effect, uh, the spouse of their life. Mm. It's a it's a great witness. It's a very ancient witness, but a great witness to what I would call uh, the restored order of human sexuality that comes mm. with Christ. You know, our Lord simply speaks of that. We just had that in one of the readings for Sunday. Uh-huh. Uh, it was not so from the beginning. Uh, and so what Christ does as the new Adam is he restores the order as it was from the beginning. 
And part of that new order is the capacity of some who are called, as he said, it's a few, but mm -hmm. some who are called to witness to Christ as the, uh, the entire uh, love of one's life. And that's what these women do. Mm. It's been neat to see how, um, you know, the, the communication department at the Archdiocese has covered these and kind of put out articles and things like that to kind of um, celebrate and show um, when these women have decided to become consecrated virgins. I have a question. Do they live in community together then? Because I know we have a handful of women in the Archdiocese, or they, do they live separately? They live separately, though they, okay. they form a community, they, they mutual support, but uh, no, they, they, they live independently. Uh, Another thing that's really important to remember is uh, this uh, expression of human sexuality uh, shines a light on all forms of Christian sexuality, including mm. uh, the, uh, the life of husbands and wives, uh, to indicate that there too uh, Christian disciples in their marriages live out this new order, this uh, new creation that's been restored by Christ. So it's, it's a very personal kind of gift, but it's a, it's a light that belongs to everybody. What a powerful witness. That's fantastic. The other thing that we know that happens in the fall is you will be celebrating your birthday on October 21st. So I have to ask you, do you do anything special for your birthday? And then the other thing I wanted to ask is if there's any way that we kind of as a faithful can pray for you in a specific way on that day to celebrate with you. I usually uh, have dinner with friends on my birthday, but uh, this year I, I have to be busy, so it'll be a bit delayed. And um, what people can do to pray on my birthday? Well, we're, you know, October, and we're going to talk about this today, is the month of the rosary. So maybe on uh, the 21st, people can say a decade of the rosary for me and uh, include a special prayer for the eternal repose of my mom and dad. Oh. They that did is. all the work. <laughs> I, that's I, I awesome. Just, I just showed up. Yeah, that's a that's a fantastic way that we can celebrate with you, though, to kind of join you in prayer. And and I love that you you turned it back to the rosary because you're right. We are going to discuss the rosary um, in this month of October. Most of our listeners who listen to this podcast would probably be familiar with the fact that, um, you know, the basics of the rosary. It's a set of prayers recited with the help of beads that we meditate on events in the lives of Jesus and Mary. I was wondering, especially since you asked that we do this for your birthday, we pray a decade of the rosary. Can you give us kind of a quick overview of what the prayers are and the different mysteries and kind of how we meditate on them? Maybe some tips on how to meditate on them. Well, the prayers are pretty simple. It begins with the Apostles' Creed. We have the Our Father, uh, three uh, Hail Marys to pray for faith, hope, and charity, the doxology, the glory be, and then uh, the round of uh, five decades usually in one part of the rosary, mm. a decade being the Our Father, the Hail Mary, 10 Hail Marys, the, the Glory Be. Most people add the Fatima prayer at the end of the Glory Be. Mm -hmm. uh, the mysteries are the thing that I suppose we most need to think about together today on the podcast. Uh, yeah. Traditionally, there have been uh, uh, three uh, sets of mysteries, which comes to 150 Hail Marys which gets back to the origin of the rosary because there's if you have 150 Hail Marys, you have one for each psalm. And oh. the prayer, uh, the rosary was often a prayer for people who couldn't pray the psalms or a kind of compliment to that. 
So the traditional uh, set of three uh, uh, mysteries, uh, five uh, joyful, five sorrowful, five glorious, five joyful, the Annunciation, the Presentation, the Nativity of Christ, the Presentation of the Child Jesus in the Temple, the Finding of the Young chi Child, I, sometimes better to say Young Boy in the mm -hmm. Temple, mm -hmm. uh, Sorrowful, uh, Agony in the Garden, uh, Scourging at the Pillar, uh, Crowning with Thorns, Carrying the Cross, Crucifixion, uh, Glorious, Resurrection, Ascension, descent to the Holy Spirit, um, and uh, assumption of the Blessed Virgin Mary and her coronation as Queen of Heaven and Earth. Mm -hmm. uh, St. John Paul has asked us to consider a fourth set of five, uh, and he called these the luminous mysteries. So we meditate on the Lord's baptism in the Jordan, his uh, first miracle, his sign at Cana of Galilee, his proclamation of the kingdom of God by his uh, miracles in preaching, uh, the transfiguration on Mount Tabor, and the giving of the Holy Eucharist in the upper room on Holy Thursday. So that's, uh, I've, I've rushed through, but that, no, that's, yeah. <laughs> you know, that's there's, it. There's, there's particular days, right, that we would, the church comes together to pray these different sets of mysteries. Right, right. They, that's become a custom. I think okay. many people follow it. I, I think mm -hmm. uh, people should feel free if on a certain day they're more inclined to meditate on one set of mysteries than another. Fine right. enough. Right. Uh, Monday, the uh, joyful mysteries. Tuesday, the sorrowful. Wednesday, the glorious. The Holy Father has asked us to do Thursday, the uh, luminous. Friday, then, would be the... Uh, uh, sorrowful mm -hmm. and uh, I usually go back on uh, Saturday my own personal view mm -hmm. is to do the mysteries that fit uh, the season of the year mm -hmm. so if it's Advent right. and Christmas time on Saturday I do the joyful right. if it's uh, time you know in ordinary time I do the luminous yep. if it's Lent I do uh, the uh, sorrowful Mm -hmm. And if it's uh, Easter time, I on Saturday I do the uh, glorious. Oh. Yeah. You know, it's funny too. I, I don't think I. Many people we don't really think we just think the the rosary's always kind of been there. You know, it's just kind of uh, just we don't really oftentimes know exactly where it came from and its kind of history and therefore its context. Like you just, I didn't realize of uh, I knew that there was 150. Um, Hail Mary's obviously said if you do all the mysteries, but I didn't realize until you just said it about the the link between that and the Psalms, you know? So there's always something we're learning regarding the rosary. Would you mind sharing just a little bit about, you know, its introduction, I guess its history and where it kind of originated from and uh, and how it kind of developed in, in our church uh, tradition uh, so strongly? Well, uh, some of it's lost in time. It's a, it's a, a very ancient practice to count prayers on beads and uh, it was uh, oftentimes a way to count uh, uh, the prayers that substituted for some in some people's lives for the celebration of the psalms and that goes uh, back to the uh, certainly the uh, the early times of the fathers the first times of christianity uh, there's debate about the role of saint dominic in the formulation of uh, the rosary according to this particular the format that we use 
Um, I've read articles that uh, dispute Dominic's role and say, well, it's St. Dominic insofar as one of his uh, disciples. Others say, no, we can see that Dominic himself uh, uh, formalized this particular way of praying. But he's, the Dominicans have certainly had an important role in propagating uh, this way of prayer. Mm -hmm. But I think as I look at it, uh, so much of it is, uh, is just about uh, the ordinary sense of the faithful and uh, the way it's developed in their lives. Yeah. There, were, there have been great uh, events in the life of the church that have uh, come as a result of the prayer of the rosary. And uh, from the 16th through the 20th into the 21st century, uh, the Holy Fathers, the popes have uh, very much encouraged the faithful to use this kind of prayer as a, a preeminent form of, of devotion to the Blessed Virgin. You know, you referenced the, the Fatima prayer as part of the rosary. D do you know, did that just kind of happen from, you know, the faithful's devotion, kind of adding that in? When I was little, we just learned it as part of the rosary. Um, did that just kind of organically happen? That's how them? I understand it. Okay. I, I'm, I, you can have to get an expert. I'm sorry if I'm <laughs> not going to be able to help you on that. I can go to the Google and see if they'll give me yeah, some information. Uh, <laughs> when I, I mean... I was taught to say the rosary uh, as a child. It yeah. wasn't part of what we did. Oh, but interesting. Ev but eventually it, I just picked it up. I think yeah. maybe my one of the priests in our parish introduced it, and it mm -hmm. just became part of the way I do it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and as far as the history goes, it's funny what you're saying there about the, 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 the disputing of St. Dominic's role in it, because I know... Like, I guess I, I had always learned that St. Dominic used it as kind of a catechetical tool, so he would instruct about some aspect of Christ's life and then ask, you know, basically those who were hearing the instruction to stop and meditate on the, that, that portion of life that they had just talked about to stop and meditate on it with 10 Hail Mary. So doing essentially mm -hmm. just one decade. Um, but it's interesting, like you're saying, there's, there's different disputed thoughts on the exact origin of it. You know, that's funny. Well, uh, yeah, uh, I think it depends on the historian and the historian's bent and the, yeah, kind of uh, evidence that he or she requires in mm. order to feel that they proved their point. Yeah. But certainly uh, the, the order of preachers, the Dominicans, mm -hmm. have been uh, great, the great voice to uh, uh, advocate for the use of the rosary. Mm -hmm. This episode we decided to do, obviously it's the month of October and the church um, kind of says that the October that October is the month that we are intentional uh, intentional about it being the month of the rosary do you know where that came about or is that just one of those things that's happened naturally as well well I used Google like uh, you said <laughs> you went Mary. To Google good job <laughs> and, <Archbishop>. uh, <laughs> and actually it took me to the Catholic encyclopedia yeah and uh, they say that uh, that goes back to Leo the 13th that he okay. was uh, the one who put his official stamp on the idea of October as the month of the Holy Rosary. It's I, we were at Mass on Sunday, and at the particular place that we were worshiping, they during the month of October all pray the Rosary as a community before Mass, which was really neat. We came kind of right at the tail end of it, but the priest had an obvious dedication to this this form of prayer. And I know that in my own life, um, the Rosary's always kind of been a part of my upbringing as a as a, fa a family um but sometimes when i'm praying the rosary 
it can be a bit of a challenging prayer to me because I get so easily distracted. I find almost more so than other prayers. When I'm in the decade, it's really hard for me to focus on the mysteries. Do you have any tips for that, how the faithful can kind of embrace the rosary in new ways and pray it in kind of um, like a more profound way? So I, I, like I said, I get so distracted when I'm praying it. Any tips on how to be able to focus more accurately when we're going through these mysteries or praying this, this prayer that's so important? I'd step back a bit and Mm -hmm. uh, ask you to appreciate your distraction Mm. that uh, we can, the the saints say we can get ourselves tied up into a knot if we become too concerned about distraction. Yeah, it drives me crazy. The the best way to handle a distraction is when you notice that you're distracted, Mm -hmm. uh, just to renew your your attention and get back Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. uh, don't, don't be fretful of that. I think uh, to have some sorts of a good way to try and overcome distraction Mm -hmm. is to begin with maybe at least one little point to focus Mm -hmm. and uh, to to find a way to hold that in the center of one's prayer. Mm. It could be an image. Uh, I have some friends who think that artistic images are very helpful. Mm-hmm. So but there are lots of masterpieces, uh, paintings that we're all familiar with for each of the mysteries. Mm. You might have one of those in mind uh, yeah. as you you take up the mystery. Yeah. Um, you know, say it's the mystery of the crucifixion of the Lord. It might be a, mm-hmm. a crucifix that's a very powerful image for you. Mm-hmm. Could be a crucifix that has some big meaning in your life. Might be. Mm. Uh, I know a lot of people who take the crucifix that was on their parents' coffin and they put it in their bedroom. Mm. It could be that kind of a, a thing. Mm. could also be a, a, a scripture text, the, a little a short saying that relates from, uh, uh, from this, that is from the scripture that relates to, to the mystery mm. um, and uh, make that the kind of touch point for, for one's prayer. But the important thing is not to be, um, not to be agitated or, or upset with one's distractions. Yeah. The saints all say they're inevitable, and it's by uh, our resolve to overcome them uh, with confidence right. that, that God's pleased. I like those tips because I think sometimes the repetition is what makes my mind so distracted in that particular form of prayer. But I'm also so convicted that this is something that, for instance, I need in my family life, you know. So those are really good tips to be able to uh, focus in on what we're doing and also not get so frustrated (laughs) that I don't want to do it because it's so hard because I get so distracted. (laughs) That's good. I know it's funny, Mary, what you say, because I think sometimes the repetition of it is both like what you're saying. It kind of can be difficult because it's distracting. But I think for some also, it becomes um, a really helpful cadence, cadence that your kind of your fingers are doing something, your your mouth is saying something while your mind is reflecting on a specific thing. So it's it's a weird thing that it can kind of both be simultaneously distracting, but also helps you to zero in in a weird way too. You know what I mean? Like, so it's, it's interesting, you know, and there's something about that, obviously, you know, we have, we've had such a long history with this archbishop. I don't know if, why, why do you think it is that people have just been so drawn to it? And and I know we kind of talked about how it kind of, we, we don't know the exact history of it. It seemed to kind of organically come about, but I do know for sure that, you know, most people you talk to, there's, there's many who pray on a very, uh, consistent, disciplined way and they, they really feel a draw to it and feel that it does bring them closer to Mary and her son. And um, 
I don't know. What, why do you think that might be? Well, I think uh, uh, two uh, evidences for the rightness of it. One is the authority of the church, particularly uh, the popes who have advocated this for us, the, the saints, um, not least, of course, the, the highest authority, the Blessed Virgin Mary, who's urged us to pray the rosary. Mm-hmm. But I also think it's the praying of the rosary is uh, the, vindicated by the experience of the Christian people. As mm. you said, Mike, uh, it, it's worked for countless generations, and uh, we want to be part of that. I've heard people talk, so many families that I look up to, families of faith, um, have it as such a deliberate part of their family devotional. There's there's something about the rosary, I think, that um, ties families together in a spiritual way and kind of, in some ways, almost offers protection to family life. Do you have anything to say about that? Have you seen that? I know the church talks about it sometimes. Well, uh, when you start talking about the family rosary, I think of Father Peyton, the late Father Peyton, the Holy Cross Father, who, mm-hmm. uh, whose uh, axiom was the family that prays together stays together. Right. Oh. And uh, he was the great apostolate for the family rosary. Uh-huh. I think it's, it's a simple kind of prayer. Uh-huh. And so I think you, whatever uh, generation... Uh, is part, you know, whatever generation a member of the family belongs to, they can enter into it. So even the, the youngest ones can participate. Uh, the most sophisticated can participate. And old people like me, whose memory is fading, uh, we can participate. You know? Right, <laughs> right. And you can do it anytime, any place. Uh, Waiting in the doctor's office is a good place to say the rosary, I think. We used to do it in the car on the way to school. And and what I do with my children, they're still quite young, so the um, attention span of sitting (laughs) can sometimes be a challenge. But we do a decade at a time, and we try to complete it within either a day or a week, depending on our family. And we have this little kind of map that we move, you know, the decade beads um, across so that we know that we're doing like a complete rosary, let's say, in 24 hours, but at different times throughout the day to make it work for our young family, you know. Yeah, no, I think those are very uh, admirable ways to go about it. Mm-hmm. I do it myself. Sometimes I'm not able to do all five decades uh, mm-hmm. continuously. Right. You know, Archbishop, I'd love to get your thoughts on this too, like from a pastoral sense. Um, I know I've spoken to some people that say, you know, uh, a daily rosary is just hugely important. It's And it's like to, to get that into your rhythm and discipline, you know, just as much as like eating healthier, working out. It's just something you do whether you're you're feeling it or not, you know, and, and just to say a daily rosary is a huge piece of a life of discipleship. And I've talked to other people that kind of say, and I kind of, I think I feel like personally in my own life, I've kind of worked more of an ebb and flow. Like there's been times in my life uh, where I've really gravitated to the rosary and I'm playing, praying it quite consistently and regularly. And other periods or, you know, times in my life where I'm more drawn to contemplation or more drawn to um, maybe saying the Divine Mercy Chaplet or some other form of prayer and not the rosary per se. I don't know what your thoughts are on that. Do you think there's some, is it kind of doesn't matter as long as you're praying? Do you think there's something true and good about that discipline of doing a rosary every day? I'd love to get your thoughts on that from a pastoral sense. Well, we all should be free uh, to uh, live our our spiritual life under the impulse of the Holy Spirit as long as we live 
that impulse within the mind of the church. The Holy Spirit's never going to have us do something bad. Mm-hmm. Oh. So we should be free uh, to follow our, our inspirations. But at the same time, I do think there's a lot to be said uh, for uh, making a, a commitment to be regular with the rosary. It's a way to make a uh, to be uh, regular in one's commitment as a child of the Blessed Virgin Mary. So I think on this sort of matter, somebody should, the person that should talk to one's confessor and just oh. uh, be able to keep yourself, keep oneself honest so that uh, you're not uh, uh, cutting corners. <laughs> That's that is the tricky part, though. Yeah, like I yeah. hear what you're saying. No, like sometimes true. I'm like, I we need to. I guess sometimes I, I, I have such a faith in the words of Our Lady and the wisdom of the Church in knowing that this particular form of prayer has almost a prominence in our life. But sometimes it's really I, I've said I, I struggle with distraction when I'm praying the rosary. So it's like, do I just make this a discipline in my life that I do every day, like a commitment to it? Um, or do I just move and do other prayer that maybe emotionally connects with me a little bit more? And I think Archbishop Vigneron, that's a great answer. You talk to your confessor about it to make sure you're not, you know, uh, cutting yourself too much slack, but also following the impulses of the Holy Spirit, right? Right. And I think uh, the the uh, my advice for somebody is to uh, move toward the side of making a disciplined commitment. Mm-hmm. The other thing that that you mentioned actually in Unleash the Gospel when talking about the rosary is um, the effect it has on a victory over spiritual opposition. And one thing that's just increasingly clear to me is in in the culture that we're living in is that I keep saying it's, you know, it's wild times. Like it's so apparent to see um, different evils in the world. And the rosary is a real, people have referred to it, right, as a battle weapon. Do you have anything kind of to say on that when it comes to spiritual warfare, when it comes to spiritual opposition, protecting ourselves? Well, I agree with it completely. I think, uh, and I I do use the rosary that way, especially Mm -hmm. when I feel beleaguered uh, Hmm. by negativity. Uh, Mm -hmm. I was talking to a priest the other day about this, that one of the the ways we are under siege is by a sense of of discouragement and negativity. Mm -hmm. And... uh, to have the rosary, to say the rosary, is a, a very powerful way to put oneself under the protection of Our Lady Queen of the Angels. Mm-hmm. Sometimes uh, I have found a consolation just even in holding the rosary. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I have as well, even being a little girl, you know, when I when. And I, and I tell my kids this too, I hope it's okay. But you know, at nighttime when we're afraid, putting the rosary in our hands and just having it close, there is, there is a supernatural comfort that comes from that particular, I don't know, even holding the beads, right? Well, I think, yes, because by that gesture, mm-hmm. I am asserting that I, uh, I belong to the Blessed Virgin Mary mm. and am under her protection. Yes. It, we can pray in a lot of ways. We pray mm-hmm. with words, we pray with our thoughts, mm-hmm. but we also pray with our bodies and our gestures. Mm-hmm. We're accustomed to that. That's what a genuflection yeah. is. And uh, holding the rosary prayerfully is a way to pray. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's interesting, too. I know that, you know, the rosary itself and even probably this conversation would make some of our, our Protestant brothers and sisters maybe a little nervous. You know, it might sound a little bit like Marian worship and that type of thing, which, of course, I know we don't do. Um, 
it's always interesting that phrase of going to Christ through Mary. Um, I guess, Archbishop, why do you think that's so important? Like, why, why is it so important for us to have that mediator? Why is it so important for us to to utilize something of a rosary, especially from the spiritual warfare standpoint, um, rather than just kind of going right to Christ? I don't know. I just want to mention something about that. In the end, uh, the most important point is to t- say that we take our clue from Jesus, who at the, the epitome, the, the apex moment of his existence, uh, just before he expired on the cross, uh, gave his mother to us. Mm-hmm. And so uh, that, that has a tremendous meaning. And uh, so you, going to Jesus with her mm-hmm. uh, is obviously he sees it as very important. Mm-hmm. And part of the sense of it is that this is how he came to us. Right. He came to us through Mary and has given her to us so that we can reciprocate that gift uh, with her. Mm-hmm. Um, the, someone like uh, St. Irenaeus, very early Irenaeus is very closely connected through uh, St. Polycarp to St. John the Evangelist points out that uh, in the what I would call, he uses the word economy, I'd, I'd prefer the word ecology, mm-hmm. the style, the format of salvation. Uh, Christ came as the new Adam uh, with a new Eve. Mm-hmm. He didn't uh, save us without this new Eve. And uh, she's part of, of the whole picture. And so it makes sense to... Uh, engage with her as mm-hmm. uh, a participant in in the Lord's work of, of saving us. Mm-hmm. And, and it, a, another very important point is it meets a very profound emotional need that we have. And uh, emotions can be good, they, they can also be wounded, but good emotions shouldn't uh, be taken up into prayer. And uh, there's a, a tremendous emotional satisfaction in complimenting or uh, engaging with Our Lady as we move uh, to Christ. Because, uh, well, I, I was uh, very impressed. Uh, getting ready for the podcast took me back mm-hmm. to what St. John Paul wrote uh, on uh, the rosary. Uh, the, the title of the work is The Rosary of the Virgin Mary. So he said... We remember Christ with Mary in the rosary. We learn about Christ from Mary. We're conformed to Christ with Mary, and we pray to Christ with Mary, and we proclaim Christ with Mary. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's the best place to be to do those things, is oh. to stand with Mary. So it's not competition. It's just being right. smart. Right. You know, it's funny when you were talking, I think, just throughout the, this time that we've had with the podcast, I love when you reflect on the family and, and the work that God does within the family and, and the, the place of the domestic church. So it shouldn't be a wonder, right, that, um, that that relationship between mother and son has become so profound for each of us because we know it at our cores. There's something about, you know, a relationship with my mom, you know, Archbishop Vigneron, in a relationship that I have to my children. It's There's a supernatural quality of it. And when you can connect that back to this form of prayer it it can take on a whole new level 
you know, and what you just said that St. John uh, Paul II said, I mean, it really touched me because I think it's so true. Well, and, and one of the things that uh, is very important for us in our Catholic outlook on entering into the work of grace is never to think that what's naturally good is a competition with God. Right. Now, there, there is a wound to creation, uh-huh. and uh, by the awful uh, machinations of the devil, uh, creation can be turned into a weapon uh, against the kingdom of God. Mm-hmm. But the, 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 what, the, what God made is not by its very nature a, a competitor with God. Mm-hmm. And just because it can be abused doesn't mean that uh, we leave it out of account. In fact, mm. this is uh, the vision of St. Paul. Uh, in, in Christ, there is a new creation. And uh, creation is not just healed, but it's been brought to a whole new level. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is epitomized in the humanity of Jesus. Uh, there is a human nature, uh, the being of, of a man that's filled with divinity, the divine person of Christ. And so what's naturally good in uh, the order of grace has been elevated to a whole new level. And that's why, uh, you know, we, we talk about, as you said, Mary, the, mm-hmm. uh, the, um, the family church, uh, right. uh, family relationships become means to, to be graced. Mm-hmm. Uh, you said your kids are pretty young. I think they're out of diapers, though, right? Yes, they are. We finally have them all out of diapers. Praise the Lord. <laughs> but when they were in diapers, yeah. uh, doing their diapers was a way for you to be right. sanctified. Yep, yep. And, and that's that's uh, an axiom of, of the life of grace, part of the ladder to heaven. That's that's really good stuff to meditate on. And, you know, just really briefly, because we could do a whole podcast on each of the Marian apparitions, but you've referenced the Blessed Mother has spoken about the rosary when she's um, appeared, right? Right. Uh, Fatima, yeah. particularly. Yeah. Um, a, a, for me, a very important uh, pilgrimage spot is Lourdes. I find it interesting that... Uh, uh, Bernadette said the rosary when she was in the presence of Our Lady, and Our Lady too was uh, using the rosary when she appeared to Bernadette. Hmm. But as I, as of my understanding, uh, in the uh, the apparition at uh, apparitions at Fatima, Our Lady was even more explicit about the invitation, the call to pray the rosary. Hmm. Yeah, it's, it seems it's it just definitely is one of those things that. Um, it's so obvious through the church and through the movements of the Holy Spirit that this this prayer is powerful. Um, in our in our notes for the show, uh, we were told that um, Bishop Battersby, one of our auxiliary bishops, credits his priesthood to the power of the Rosary through his his mother, which is powerful because I think you know he says that his mom um, praying the Rosary is is how the supernatural graces from that led him to the priesthood. Um, have you, Mike, or, or you, Archbishop Vigneron, has there ever been a time in your life where you've really, it's just been so obvious to you that the rosary has provided graces for a path towards a prayer petition or something like that? You go first, Mike. <laughs> sure, yeah. Um, you know, I would say 
Um, I can't like think of a concrete time where just, you know, praying the rosary answered a specific prayer or, or something, uh, very concrete, but I think the rhythm of it, like I said, I think I've, I've ebbed and flowed. I've had times where I'm very consistent and other times where I'm not as consistent about the rosary, but the times where I've been consistent, um, I definitely, uh, there is a peace there. There is a, um, kind of a stability and, and, and a knowledge that, uh, I'm not walking alone. And I like kind of what you were saying even earlier, Archbishop, about some of the things that John Paul II had said, St. John Paul II had said about Mary is really, you know, she is the prototype of uh, what we're all meant to be as far as that disciple of Christ. And so we look to her for that guidance. We we pray with her. We walk with her. We disciple with her. Um, so just kind of, you know, being alongside her under her mentorship, her tutelage mm-hmm. of what it looks like to become what Christ desires for us to be. I think, mm. uh, just, I'd, I'd say that I could, I could feel those power in times where it's, I'm, I, I can feel the power of being conformed, being changed, uh, in a positive sense by it, you know? Yeah. For me, uh, my, my, the particular witness I can give about the power of the rosary is that, uh, on some occasions when I have felt, uh, very powerless, in order to accomplish the responsibilities that fall to me as a priest, as a bishop, uh, my praying of the rosary has given me courage in a sense mm-hmm. that all will be well, that uh, I have our, our ladies on my side, and that's a winning combo. I mean, right. it, to have her in my corner means uh, all it God will will bring it to a good conclusion. Mm-hmm. How about for you, Mary? You know, it's it would be similar to what Archbishop Vigneron said. I think um, when there has been times in my life where prayer seems urgent, um, deep in my gut, I reach for beads. <laughs> you know that that's when when there's something, uh, whether it is a family in crisis or. You know, we had a situation where my niece was diagnosed with cancer and that night, all of our separate families, so I have five brothers and sisters, all of us, without communicating to one another, gathered our families together and prayed um, a rosary within our homes. Like that was just the only thing we could do. And it was when we didn't have anything else, it was like, well, we're going to pray the rosary right now because that's what we can do for Molly, you know? So I think in my life, that urgency sometimes that uh, it's, it's as simple as, mom's we need mom here (laughs) so we're gonna pray through her and i i i can i can feel that deep inside my spirit the times in my life where i've really felt like this was what i needed to do um because Mm. she would cover the situation and so almost every time i can think of a real urgent need for prayer it's it's the rosary that is the first thing that comes to my spirit and to my mind Mm. and and offers that God is in charge um, through the intercession of his mom. So for sure. I was going to say, I'm sorry, Archbishop, there's so much obviously that could be said on this. You could probably do a, a three hour long conversation, you know, but is there anything else that you wanted to add in particular, as far as an invitation for our listeners regarding the rosary or just anything else specific about the rosary you wanted to add? Well, um, I guess maybe a little word of advice. Uh, some people, because uh, it, it, brings its own challenges. Uh, as Mary said, the repetition, the distraction, it, it lacks a certain novelty. People may have uh, put aside the practice. Uh, if there are any listeners who have done that, I'd urge them to uh, take up the rosary again. 
and mm -hmm. to see the podcast as a, a, a graced invitation to, to return. And uh, perhaps uh, uh, the return of uh, one decade at a time might, might be the, uh, the easiest way for some people. Mm -hmm. Fantastic. Well, thanks for sharing on the Rosary Archbishop. You're welcome. Well, we've come to the point in the car, uh, podcast, Archbishop Vigneron, where we get to ask you questions that the faithful have submitted. If you're listening and you have a question for Archbishop Vigneron, please feel free to email us on eyesonjesuspodcast at aod.org. Make sure to include your name and your parish and, of course, your questions. So again, that's eyesonjesuspodcast at aod.org. Our first question comes to us from Robbie from Our Lady of the Woods in Woodhaven. Robbie says, since your birthday is coming up, how did you celebrate your birthdays growing up? What was the best gift that you have ever been given for your birthday? And what is the best birthday gift that you have given to someone else? Mm. That's a good one. That's a lot of questions. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's not just one question. Mary. I know. They cheated. <laughs> I know. They, they, they snuck them all in. <laughs> Uh, growing up, uh, birthday celebrations in my family were that you get you got to have the kind of cake you wanted for your birthday. So that uh, nice. that was birthday celebrations. Huh. Uh, the best gift I ever was given uh, happened uh, when I was uh, I don't remember if I was third grade or fourth grade. I think I was a third grader, and uh, I was given the first book that I've ever owned. It was a, a Lives of the Saints book. And I, I found out later, or I put together later, that my mother uh, got uh, purchased the book through the help of uh, the sister who was my teacher at school. Mm. And uh, actually, I have, the, I have the book on my dresser. And, wow. And... Uh, uh, it's just one of my prized possessions. Absolutely, and, uh, that's beautiful. My uh, the the fly leaf is, is an inscription uh, in my mother's handwriting that oh, this wow. was a. <clears throat> I'm getting camoso here. <laughs> yeah, it's beautiful. <laughs> that this was a gift for my birthday from uh, my mother and my father, and I, and I love okay. books. I I have yeah. too many books. Yeah. Uh, I haven't read them all, but I got a lot. But <laughs> this book is one of the mm. most uh, beloved things I own. Huh. Uh, that's so, I have to say because this this episode is on you know the rosary and, and our mother and uh, looking at the life path that God has put you on to think of you know in third or fourth grade your mom's um, desire to have you have a book on the lives of the saints and then to see where your life of faith has led you. That's really beautiful. That's mm. really beautiful. <clears throat> well, plus you're somebody who just you you love books like you said but you're also you obviously love knowledge and you love learning and so yeah. your very first cool. book that's kind of like it's a cool thing it's kind of what starts it all off in a way the 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 life of the mind and that learning that you so deeply love you know that's great that's great i uh, mean not that you can beat your mom's gift there but have you ever given a gift that you're like <laughs> oh i i scored with this gift <laughs> <laughs> Nothing comes to my mind. <laughs> Nothing can come after that. That was like that was a, a that's an awesome uh, gift. So that's great. Yeah. Wonderful. Well, you know, ordinations, I guess, you know, he's helping participate in that. That's a pretty big gift, but yeah, yeah, <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, yeah. Very cool. Huh? All right, Archbishop. Uh, next question is actually from Maggie at St. Kateri in Dearborn. 
And she asked a question uh, about languages. So she was wondering how many languages you speak. Uh, do you ever read the scripture in Hebrew or Greek? Um, you know, and she was also wondering, like, when bishops like yourself meet the Pope, what language is spoken? Do you guys, or does anyone actually converse in Latin anymore, even though that's kind of the universal language of the church? So quite a, she snuck in a lot of questions there, too, right? So <laughs> but she, they're all around the idea of language. So uh, what do you think, Archbishop? Well, um I don't know about speak, uh, languages I've studied, Greek and Latin, uh, French, Italian, Spanish, and German. Uh, wow. The one that I'm competent in, in conversation still is, uh, is Italian. Uh, hmm. I used to be better in uh, uh, German, French, Spanish, but wow. uh, I've gotten rusty in all of those. Oh, and yeah. uh, when I finished college, I was able to write uh, term papers in Latin, but uh, wow. that's gone too. Wow, that's incredible. And I bet uh, speaking Italian is helpful, even with your role with the bishops, right? Um, well, internationally it, it is. Yeah. yeah, a lot of bishops can speak Italian. Right. Mm. Would you say that that's the, is it English or Italian that the bishops, when you're gathering together with uh, like the global community, what language do you use together? Well, uh, I would say the three that are the most common are Italian, Spanish, and English. And okay. it really depends on where people are from, what, yeah. what you can use. Who you're gathering with. Super interesting. That's a lot of languages. I'm going to tell my kids that when they're struggling with Spanish, you know, your archbishop <laughs> speaks like five languages. No, so no, don't, don't tell them I speak them. <laughs> all right, okay, all right, I won't say that. <laughs> I have different competencies in all of them. <laughs> Very good. All right. Well, our last question comes from Michelle at Old St. Mary in Detroit. And she says, earlier in the episodes, you shared some of your favorite activities to do in fall. Well, that that's what I'm saying is earlier in the episode, you shared some of your activities in fall. What is your favorite season of the year? What is your favorite liturgical season? Favorite season of the uh, calendar year is spring. I love spring. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, uh, the sense of the sun uh, Daylight growing every day, new birth, uh, trees in blossom. I love the spring. Yeah. Favorite liturgical season? Um, I, Lent is the one that means the most to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it seems like during Lent, I don't know, I, we connect with Christ in a really unique way during that season in our church. So. Yes. And then spring comes with Easter, so that's great. Well, Archbishop, thanks so much for uh, being a part of this episode. And I know earlier we mentioned, obviously, your birthday's coming up. So, of course, we're going to pray for you on October 21st. And I know you actually specifically asked for us to pray for the repose of the soul of your mom and dad. Are there any other prayers that we can be uh, keeping in mind for you this next month? Um, yeah, uh, I particularly ask uh, people to pray that uh, I and uh, the priest leaders of the diocese uh, are able to help us move into families of parishes in a way that helps us unleash the gospel. Oh. Very good. I know you've been you've been mentioning that quite a few times. I know that's something really on your heart, so we will definitely keep that in mind for sure. Right. And with that, Archbishop, I don't know if you would mind closing us with a with a, with a prayer. How about we use uh, Pope Francis's prayer to Saint Joseph? St. Joseph, guardian of the Redeemer, spouse of the Blessed Virgin Mary, to you God entrusted his only Son. In you, Mary placed her trust. With you, Christ became man. Blessed Joseph, to us too, show yourself a father. 
and guide us in the path of life. Obtain for us grace, mercy, and courage, and defend us from every evil. Amen. Blessed Solanus, pray, pray for, for us. us. Amen. Thank you so much, Archbishop. You're welcome. Stay tuned for the next episode of Eyes on Jesus, a new podcast every month. And if you've enjoyed listening, you might also like Detroit Stories, a podcast from the Archdiocese of Detroit. Find it on your favorite podcast app.